from the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right. Welcome back, everybody. As uh, we get rolling here on a Thursday afternoon, congratulations, Texas Rangers. Way to get it done. Way to bail us out of a bind. I'll be honest with you, it was going to be an issue. Yeah, uh, by the way, yes, this is all about us. Uh, this has nothing to do with anybody else. This is, Folks, it's only about 600 ESPN El Paso. Because as all of you know, had the Diamondbacks won last night, we would not have been able to air games six or seven due to high school football Friday night and UTEP football. So the Rangers, they they did a big favor for us. They, they really did. They took care of business last night and ended this thing in five. We aired it. We didn't have to worry about any potential um, preemptions. And I was happy about that. I really was. I said, you know what? Good for Texas. They knew. They knew exactly what we needed done, and and they took care of business. So it was big. It was impressive. And uh, they, uh, listen, they they were, what a a run. What a playoff run by the Texas Rangers. My goodness. They were uh, simply sensational uh, all postseason long. But it never stopped for them. I kept waiting to see if the Rangers would slow down. No, they just kept uh, kept moving all the way through and uh, just able to, to get things done. In fact, a lot of you haven't had a chance to hear this yet, but here is the call on the Texas Rangers radio network of the final out last night. Play this for you so you can listen to this. Out, And here's the pitch, a swing and a foul ball back. It was a one-run game when Spores came on in the seventh inning. The Rangers had just taken a one-nothing lead, and Spores retired Christian Walker on the fly ball to center. In the eighth, he gave up a two-out single to Alec Thomas, but he struck out the pinch hitter Smith looking at a curve. Now he is one out away from clinching the Rangers' first World Series championship. The 1-1 pitch. That's over for a strike. And the count is one and two, and the Diamondbacks trailing five to nothing are down to their final strike. Supreme confidence in all of his pitches tonight. One ball, two strikes. Spores is ready. Here's the pitch. Just inside. Those Ranger fans scattered through the crowd, groaning a little bit. There's a good contingent behind the Rangers dugout. And the more out in the bleachers. Two balls, two strikes. Spores kicks and fires. He struck him out looking. It's over. It's over. The Rangers have won the World Series. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise, the wait is over. And the celebration has begun. Straight up 8 o'clock in the Mountain Standard Time Zone. 11 o'clock on the East Coast. 10 o'clock back home in Texas. Josh Spores wraps it up. And the Rangers are your World Series champions. Can you believe it? Wow. Wow. May the ghosts of 2011 be forever erased. 
There you go. Eric Nadell, Matt Hicks with the call. Matt Matt was almost, his voice was getting ready to crack on that one. He was so excited about it after the uh, final out, and uh, that was the Rangers radio network. Um, and they had that, uh, you know, had that great call last night. I love that for, for both of those guys. Nadell's been doing Ranger baseball for 40 plus, so he's a lifer. Matt Hicks has been with them since 2012, right after their last World Series loss. So his first opportunity to, uh, to call a series and get a ring. And Adrian, really, uh, just a, a, a very fitting way for it to end. On a call, third strike. I'm so happy for Rangers fans, Steve. That's the first thing I could think of. Uh, to wait there, uh, you know, for a lot of people, their entire lives without a World Series, and to get one uh, here last night, it was such a, a great celebration. I love the video. I think it was like a 50-plus-year-old dad. He was in his living room, and he's just, like, breaking down crying. And his daughter's like, did you cry this much when I was born? Uh, and she, he was saying, well, no, I've known you for only 23 years. I've been with the Rangers my entire life. And he's just like breaking down, crying. It's hilarious. I love the video, but it's really heartwarming. And it's a really cool video. Nothing, no dig to the daughter. I'd also say this Diamondbacks had plenty of opportunities last night, Steve. They should have had, they should have had at least one run, two runs. How many runners were left on base, just stranded uh, in multiple innings throughout that matchup? They had plenty of opportunities all season, all postseason in this series. I mean, it wasn't like the Rangers just dominated them. They, every time they had, Good, they had good chances. They squandered it. Yes. Simple as simple as that. And uh, you know you can't can't do that against a team like Texas. They just and by the way, what a game! I mean, scoreless in the seventh, no hitter in the seventh, and then all of a sudden things just unraveled in a hurry once the Rangers played it one, uh, and and then the Diamondbacks got out of that bases loaded jam, but it stayed one nothing till the ninth, and that's when the Rangers attacked on those four insurance runs, and it was uh, it was good as over. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's it's uh, fitting that Corey Seager was the MVP, but I mean, yesterday was all the guys who were kind of heroes. It was like. Like Semyon, who also scored a big run for them. It was uh, their starting effort from Nathan Evaldi. And just kind of getting all the efforts from everybody, it made it feel like a real team victory uh, for this World Series. Absolutely. Let's go to the phones right now. We'll get things started with Gator Richard. He's first up today uh, here on a Thursday edition of the program. What's going on, Gator? Go Gators. Go Gators. Hey, you know that uh, every team they played in the last two weeks and then the one coming up, this Saturday, they all took bye weeks in preparation to play the Gators. Did you know that? Nobody cares. Everybody cares. Nobody, about that. Nah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. All right. Hey, I, I figured out. I figured out the transfer per, portal for uh, UTEP. Go ahead. Okay. Now students are allowed to change what once or twice on using the transfer portal, and then they're stuck, right? Well, supposed to be, but again, they're so lax with these rules. I don't necessarily know if they're really going to be stuck or not. So that that remains to be seen. Although you're supposed to get one transfer, and then after that, I uh, have to sit out a year. And I think the NCAA has cracked down on it. Unexpected. So yes, to answer your question, that's correct. Okay. So, as a suggestion to those guys that you know surf that portal. Only get the guys that have transferred once before, and then that that last final transfer to UTEP. You know, then they're stuck. You know, they'll they'll be in their own personal hell playing for this Dimel coach. Okay, 
you know that way uh, at least at least they don't have to fish for new new players a brand new team every year and and Dimel won't have that excuse of uh you know firing all his assistant coaches so he can keep his own job how's that website going at you uh, we're going to start how'd that how'd that go that's only for UTEP fans. I'm waiting for a UTEP fan to do it. Nah, Man, nobody. That's 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 so. Uh, you know that that's so like 1990s. It's you know we're now we're 2023. We've we've moved along and we've we've got other things to worry about. Like you know callers talking about how their favorite team always loses to teams that have an extra bye week to prepare for them. Stuff like that. Well, you know the Gators are playing Arkansas and they're going to whoop up on them. Be bowl eligible. Okay. That. There you go. And, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they gave Georgia more than they could handle. I think you know. I mean, they scored twenty points, which I don't think too many teams this year did against a Georgia. But you know, splitting hairs on that. It's a loss. Is a loss. All right. I appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in today. Gators, in case you're wondering, folks, are three and two in the conference, five and three overall. They're four and zero at home, one and two on the road. And as he mentioned, Arkansas, uh, a, a winless team in uh, the SEC coming up this weekend. They're two and six overall, so uh, not good, not good. If you are Arkansas, maybe that's going to be a potential win uh, for uh, for Gator Boy as we keep things moving uh, here on Sports Talk. Let's get back to the phones right now. Baba Ganoush is joining us next. Baba G, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you, man? Good. Thanks for the call. So, I think, this is this the last week or second to last week of Texas high school football here in El Paso? Last week of the regular season, playoffs, and by district start next week. Okay. So, I was just curious who you all thought um, is the best high school football coach in modern history in El Paso. And I'm assuming it has to be Scott Brooks at Canyon Deal because of his run to the state semifinals a few years ago. No, I mean, I can't. I mean, Sepkowitz was amazing. Um, Coach Shaw was amazing at Irvin. Um, the older Brooks at Coronado, I don't remember his first name. Don. But Don Brooks. Um, but, like, besides those four, am I missing somebody? No, but, Is I mean, Scott listen, Brooks? here's the thing I'll say, okay? Oh, listen, here's work, the— Work here, at Riverside. Here's the—listen, if you really want to nitpick, okay, it is—and this is true. It is much harder— to get out of the playoffs when you're now a 6A team, used to be a 5A team, than if you're a 5A or was a 4A. I mean, that's just what it comes down to because you're playing against bigger schools, bigger you know, competition is, is a little tougher there. So, And it's not to take anything away from what Scott Brooks has done to Kenya Teo. He has truly established himself as, as, as you know one of the great coaches we've seen in this town. But it's hard to say you're going to put Scott ahead of his dad and some of the names you mentioned, many of whom uh, you know had a chance to have to coach uh, in, the top, uh, you know, in, in the top level of high school football in El Paso where it is so much tougher to get out of the playoffs. Yeah, so, I mean, I think once you get past the second or third round, like, mm-hmm. everybody's really good, so I don't know how much that would affect my voting on it, but I was just curious what you thought and what the other callers thought, you know? It's, it's that, a great question. Like, oh. I mean, it really is a great question, and I would love I would love to hear with, you know, coaches that our listeners believe is the best high school football coach ever to coach in El Paso. That is a That is a fascinating question. It really is. 
And, I mean, this is just like modern history because I'm sure back in the day, you know, probably 100 years ago when El Paso I started playing football or 100 and I think 20 years ago whenever, I'm sure things were way different then. So I'm talking about like the last 50 years. Like work at Riverside was amazing. Like I said, Shaw, Sepkowitz, Don Brooks. Like those are all like the main ones that come to my mind, you know, but I'm curious as to what other callers think. Uh, I am too. I am too. And by the way, when you say modern, are we talking uh, like 1960 till now? Is that fair? So, and it's funny because I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's like what? That's 63 years. So it's not even like, yeah, that's, you know. Yeah. I was going to say that's what, like 70 years? Yeah, 63 years. All right. So, yeah, around that era. Like, who, like, who do the callers, who does everybody yeah. else think is, you know, the best high school coach of all time out of the 915 in that era? That's a great question. And it's so subjective. But that's one of those questions I would love to hear the answers that people have for us, either on the phone lines, on our app, on on Twitter or X. I mean, that would be great. So you know what? You brought up a question that I would never uh, bring on the show just because, to me, it is so subjective, and I really don't know if I could answer that with any validity, but... I'm interested to hear what our listeners, who our listeners would would uh, say and why, and maybe we'll have one individual that'll get more votes than everybody else. That that's a good one, really good one, Baba Ganesh. Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming Mr. Charles Hill would probably um, be like the guy, and all all your guys that do Friday night football would they would probably have a real real good handle on it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was just curious. Like Bo Bagley would probably have a lot too. Um, and then the guy who does the show with him, I can't remember his name right now. But that Paul guy McKinnon. Has tons of yeah, Paul McKinnon. Yeah, Paul McKinnon. So, so right. those guys would be the ones that really like have a lot of probably information on it. Appreciate you, Bob Ganoush. Thanks for the call. All right, man. Well, he gave us a good one to, to, to you know, mull over here in the first hour of the show, didn't he? Yeah, I wrote a quick list of the all the names he he reeled off. Uh, I would I would accept all those names right there. I would just you know out of the last uh, ten to fifteen years, I would like to highlight guys like Darren Walker, guys like Scott Brooks. Of course, he mentioned Scott Brooks, but he's definitely in that conversation, definitely in that discussion. Uh, Darren Walker obviously went from Chapin to Franklin, had successes at both places. You got to throw Jesse Perales in that conversation, former Del Valle head coach. Sent a lot of guys to college to play at the D1 level. Uh, is now running things over at Naaman Forest out in East Texas. So he's definitely a name to include on that list. Uh, I, I would also include Milton Henry, Tony Grijalva. Those are like, you talk about like last 20 30 years, uh, those head coaches right there, I mean, they were featured statewide for the programs that they coached. Uh, Julio Lopez, you got to put him in the mix. I mean, he's put together teams that have won district titles year after year after year. And you talked about the gauntlet that is 1-6-A. Well, uh, the guy who's coached a team in the playoffs that's pretty much gone the furthest of any of these guys at, at the 6-A level is Julio Lopez. So he I mean, has to be in that discussion too. Understand this about Alan Sepkowitz, though, and Coach Sepp. 258 wins. How about this? How about a streak that lasted five years where his teams at Andrus won 45 straight games against El Paso high school teams? 
Ah, it's a great run. I mean, no, you put Tom Work, you put Alan Sepkowitz, you put Don Brooks. Those are kind of the the I would say like the Mount Rushmore right there of head coaches to ever coach at, at in El Paso. And there's some others that I'm missing of that in that discussion right there. But um, kind of I, I was just referencing last 20 years, maybe last 10 years, and kind of highlighting those coaches. I feel like nowadays. It's so spread out. El Paso is really spread out to where talent is all across the board. So if you're able to send guys to colleges at the D1 level and put together district title teams that make it a couple rounds in the playoffs, I think that's pretty impressive as well. What an amazing list. It really is. All right, we could talk about it with you on the show. We'd love to get your phone calls, 505-600-9. Oh, by the way, we're at Del Valle tomorrow, Steve. Speaking, that's right. We are at Delvide. We need, we need to talk. Let's talk more about that when we come back. Okay, we'll do that in a moment. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. Stephen Del Paso Metroplex. So we have his cra- news calls in and asks for who he, uh, you know, who we could think would be the best uh, high school football coach ever to coach in El Paso. There's a great uh, database I found. It's uh, it's called TexasHighSchoolFootballHistory.com. And the only problem is I can't print out the list for some reason. It says function disabled. So whoever built the website is not allowing us to print it. But he's got every single high school with records year by year compiled with points scored and points allowed. Yeah, that's a great uh, resource. Use it all the time. So, yeah, I'm looking at some of the list. There's some some amazing coaching jobs in El Paso. I always like to look at the 10 or more win coaching jobs, you know? That's such a rarity. It really is. Like, Tony Grijalva won 10, or, you know, 10 games or more four times while he was at Franklin. Darren Walker's done it twice. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty impressive uh, feat in itself, isn't it? And then we were talking about Andrus earlier and, and what uh, – you know, Coach Sepp did for all those years when he was at Andrus. And in case you're wondering, how many years did he win 10 or more um, since he coached him from 1976 to 2011? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven times 10 or more wins. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it. I think he retired like 25th on the all-time winning list for high school coaches in the state of Texas. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, first off, the consecutive 10-win seasons, uh, that's really impressive right there because those coaches don't just schedule your cupcake schools in non-district. We know these coaches very well, and those coaches always loaded up in the non-district slate as well to try to uh, get to a higher level or, I mean, you know, get ready for the season, get ready for uh, the district play, and then get ready for the playoffs and that's and the only way you're going to do that is playing tough competition in non-district so I, I love that I love that right there it's really interesting stuff it is it, it really is hey by the way how about this how about the fact that Jack Quarles had 10 or more wins at Coronado five times in the 13 years he coached at Coronado wait who is this right here Jack Quarles that's amazing that's a really good uh stat right there what years did he coach 64 to 76 man I, what a run what what a run right there yeah I mean 11 and one in 68 10 and two in 69 10 one and one in 71 10 and two in 74 10 one and two in 75 so five out of 13 years uh 10 or more wins that's pretty uh, that's 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 big time we had uh, somebody uh, on uh, you know on on uh, Twitter say uh, this is Adrian had enemy, enemy win the number three. I vote for Chuck Valise. That's another good one. It really is. I was looking at Chuck Valise. You know Chuck was only at Del Valle for four years, and he won 
Um, 11 games in his third year, 10 games in his fourth year at Del Valle. So he had 10 or more wins twice in four years. Then he parlayed that to Montwood. And when he went over to Montwood, uh, starting in 2002 all the way to 2015, he had um, one 10-win season. So, uh, again, twice in four years at Del Valle, once um, in the – I believe it was about 13 or 14 years he coached to Montwood. So it's not easy to do. That's the point. Ten or more wins is a rarity in high school football. Sept did it seven times in his career. Yeah, I would I would just say, I mean, getting to that point is really, really remarkable. Um, you know, there's some there are some fantastic coaches who've been uh, you know, able to coach here in El Paso, and it's just kind of interesting to put them on a historical level. I think eras really has to do a lot with this, Steve, because you think about how big El Paso has gotten. So I like how when Baba Ganoush called in, he talked about the modern era. You think about prior to maybe the seventy, even like prior to the eighties, uh how, I guess, kind of centralized everything was here in El Paso and not how spread out it is right now. Think about it. We've got over 30 high schools here in town and the, the surrounding communities. I'll say this. So uh, we talked about Jack Quarles and his five, uh, ten or more win seasons in his 13 years at, at Coronado before he left and, and then eventually came back years later to help out uh, Don Brooks, who replaced him. But here is an amazing stat, okay? And you have to understand this is so incredible. For the, look at this. Tom Work had 10 or more wins four straight years, 02 to 2005. I don't think anybody in El Paso, including Coach Sepp, ever put together four seasons in a row of 10 or more wins, and he did that at Riverside. Man, that is a that is really amazing. You think about uh, Riverside as well, where it's located, and how he was able to just get uh, the best out of those players. I mean, that's pretty amazing, right there. It reminded me of Tony Shaw, Steve. I mean, he had some incredible teams as well with Irvin High School. He coached from er, at Irvin from 1976 to 2000, and he's had some really remarkable teams there as well. Was 152, 114, and then 13 and six in the playoffs. Wow. That's uh, that, that's pretty remarkable, too. So, yeah, that's a really fun, fun topic when you start to talk about it because, you know, we've had, we've had great coaches over the years in El Paso. We really have. And, you know, I always say, though, you have to probably measure the, the success of those, those rare 10-win seasons. I mean, Tony Grijalva had four 10-win seasons, 10 or more win seasons in five years. And the year he didn't win 10, he won eight. He was eight and three. So that was a great run he had from 2001 to 2005. So, yeah, and, and remember, Grijalva did it at Franklin when they were always 5A. And, yes. you know, Tom Warwick did it when they were 4A. So, big difference. Again, just because when you're a step below, um, you know, you're not going to get up against the biggest schools in the state of Texas. So, doing it uh, at, at that 5A level, which is now 6A um, for Coach Grijalva, pretty, uh, pretty remarkable when you look at that. Four. Ten or more win seasons in five years, and that's uh, that's 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 big time. And Darren, Darren Walker, who's the the coach now, had uh, two back to back seasons with ten wins in twenty eleven and twenty twelve. So yeah, that's it's a fun stat to look at. And you know Tony Shaw, one of the legends, he did it twice during his career at Irvin. And you know you kind of go down the list and see who else was able to do it. Uh, Carlos Lowenberg did it once at Jeff. 
that was impressive too. So yeah, it's a it's a fun topic to to look at right now. Something I would I would never have brought that up today, but I'm happy they did. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to Paul McKinnon before we get on the radio tomorrow, live at Del Valle for our nine one five tours game of the week between the Conquistadores and the uh, Bel Air Highlanders for the district uh, or five the Class five A district title. Uh, about his input for this one as well, Milton Henry, Steve before. Tony Grijalva took over at Franklin. Milton Henry had that team rolling nine and three and ninety six, nine and three and ninety seven, seven and four, ninety eight and ninety and ninety and nine and three. Excuse me, and ninety nine. So only winning programs at Franklin when he took wow. over. That's pretty remarkable. Thirty one past the hour. By the way, uh, we are going to do the rare. Um, on location show tomorrow before our nine one five tours game of the week, and there's a reason for that. Um, you know, uh, Chris at ZGN Productions is putting together this, uh, you know, hard knock style uh, documentary on Bel Air this year, and we had Chris on to talk about that, and we also. I uh, didn't just have Chris on. We actually went ahead and and had Chris on to talk about that, and then we also had uh, the head coach of uh, Bel Air on to talk about that, uh, Eric Scoggin. Well, they're playing at Del Valle tomorrow for a gold football. It's for all the marbles, and uh, we'll be doing a rarity. We'll do a Sports Talk Live show at Del Valle uh, Stadium. Excited about that. Now, some of you might think we're going there for the food. Yes. I'm, I'm not going to say that that's not you know part of the reason. I mean, it's always nice. So I hope Del Valle knows we're coming because uh, that, that's a big deal. But also, we want to help Chris out and uh, kind of help the pageantry for the documentary, set up the stage for the game, and uh, just be there from 4 to 6.30 tomorrow before Football Friday Night takes over. So, yep, putting the show on the road, that'll be a lot of fun. I haven't been to Del Valle in forever, so that'll be a really good time for us to bring sports talk out there tomorrow. All right. Full phone lines. We're going to get to the calls. Let's do a quick Sports Center update here just past the bottom of the hour, and then we'll come back with your phone calls next. Thank you, Adrian. Let's get the phones going right now. We'll try to knock them all out over the next few minutes. Uh, 505-6009. Len's going to join us first. Hey, Len, how are you? Hey, Steve. Long time. We finally got some phone uh, service out here. We got a new radio out near the NASA Test Center, and uh, I can now hear you guys. Awesome. Well, then you must have loved this conversation, talking high school football. Yes, and, I did. Yep. I, and I'm going to chime in, but I have to say something about an old friend of ours, both yours and mine, John Engel. I think I heard him yelling when the Rangers won last night all the way from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Listen, John Engelman, one of our favorites. Huge, yeah, huge he, Rangers he sure fan. the Rangers. And, oh, you know, and he loved oh, baseball. Yes, he did. I'm happy for okay. John. That's right. On the high school coaches, every one you guys mentioned is, was always number one to me. And I'm going to throw in two more names. I think latest, I think Ocampo at Centennial. I know it's not El Paso, but he plays El Paso schools. And then, of course, Jim Bradley, who was a close mm. friend of mine. But of all of them, I'm going to say Tom Work. And I say this because he never had the great talent that Alan Sepkowitz had and Coach Walker Franklin. He did it without super ball players. And when I first started at West Virginia as a GA, um, Woody Hayes met me and he talked to me and he said, I want you to remember one thing. Great players make lousy coaches look good. And lousy players make great coaches look bad. 
and he gave me a hug, and that was it. And I have always remember, remembered that, and I believe that that is a very true statement. Tom Work might have the highest win percentage in the history of high school football coaches in El Paso. Because, yeah, and I think you know, he only had one Division One ball player, right? Uh, let me think about that. At Riverside, it's very possible. That's very yeah, possible. He had one linebacker. That yep. was it. Yep. All but, I know, you know is this. I mean, yeah. he won nine games um, five times in his career. He won 10 games once, 11 games three times, 12 games once, eight games three times. Like he had, he was 4 4 and 2 his first year in 92, and then he was 6 and 4 in 95. Other than that, he won 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12 every year he was at Riverside from 1992 through 2006. That is a ridiculous run. Yeah, I remember meeting him. Uh, I think it was in 93 or 4. Um, and uh, I remember Charlie Bailey was coaching that at Utah. But, uh, yeah, just just great show. I'm glad to be able to listen to you guys awesome. again. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, and uh, well, we'll see what happens with Utah. By the way, there's one other big game tonight, not one that we follow in our area very much, but Troy's playing South Alabama. Troy wins. They go to a bowl game. That's a good storyline. And, and they're pretty good. All right. So that's another great game that's going to be on. Appreciate you, Len. Thanks for the phone call. So Troy, South Alabama, coming up here 530 on ESPN2. Let's keep things moving right now and go back to the phones. 505-6009. Jerry's next on a mobile. How you doing, Jerry? Hey, Steve. How you doing? Good, thanks. You brought back some memories uh, when you were talking about uh, Riverside. I remember... Uh, he doesn't get mentioned that much, but Sean Jordan was a beast. I mean, he played fullback, and mm-hmm. and uh, he, he weighed, I think it was 230 or 240, and he was the only one in El Paso that's ever been uh, recruited by personally by Nick Saban. I believe he came down here on a recruiting trip, and uh, I, I think, think he's right. the only one that, that's got two championship rings. He's got one from LSU and um, – I think he's got one from um, who was the other program that he was in. Uh, he was with Les Miles, and then he he got one at LSU with Nick Saban. Um, so he got he got two uh, two championship rings. Yeah, and he was the blocking back for he was the blocking back for Hester. Remember, I think it was um, the guy that played for the Chargers. Yep, I uh, do. I, I do. It's been yeah. you know it's been a while, but yeah, that's. Yeah, it's been a yeah, and uh, I I thought he was one of the best players to ever come out of El Paso. Yeah, there's no doubt. Sean Jordan, Sean yeah. Jordan was a beast and definitely somebody that a lot of people talked about. So yeah, and a shout out uh, for my son. He played at Bel Air, and uh, he was all district two years, junior and senior year, and uh, he played in the Sun Bowl game. Nice. And uh, during his four years at Bel Air, they never lost to Eastwood. So that's something he's got, uh, you know, that he's so proud of. Nicely done. Jerry, appreciate it, man. Thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for the phone call. We'll go next to Dan. He's up uh, here for 39 Pass. The Sports Talk continues. What's up, Dan? Well, Steve, uh, that's a very good question. I just want to clarify, are you basing it on wins? Are you basing it on people they sent to D1? Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the person that called and says from the 60s, you're forgetting about a man that uh, – he should be uh, along with uh, uh, the Don Brooks in the beginning. 
His name was, I can't remember his name, but it was Coach Cantrell. He's the one that started the program at Bel Air. He sent several people. Uh, of course, Bel Air was like the Pebble Hills back in the 60s, the, the farthest school. Harris Cantrell. And, uh, yep. and he, um, and he uh, you know, he sent several people, several people to D1 schools. By the way, and, uh, Adrian. Yeah. Adrian just said it. Adrian, it was it was uh, Harris Cantrell. Yeah, Harris Cantrell. By the way, uh, when you look at his winning percentage, Steve, sixty nine percent winning percentage over eleven years at Bel Air. Wow. Did you do the math yourself to get that, or did you? Yeah, uh, I did the math. You? I did the math. Sixty nine percent for Harris Cantrell. That's pretty good. Uh, really good. Seventy yeah. percent. Work basically. is seventy seven percent. By the way, S- almost eighty. That yes. is ridiculous. So. Yep, but well, Harris Cantrell, and, and, and that's course, awesome. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, not, not to take anything about Coach Workers. You know, I know the man. Uh, Riverside was playing at a lower division level during his during those nine and ten wins. So he was able to beat up on some people. And then, of course, you come to the third round, and that's when El Paso football stops. Other than Brooks, you know, when was it almost ten years ago that he went to the Final Four? So, you know, there's a lot of criteria. Sure. Now, Sip, again, not talking bad about him because that's another person that I know, that I knew, of course, uh, you know. So tell me this. Who do you believe is the best high school football coach ever? Like, they just and, – and I, I said it's completely subjective because you could base right. it on wins. You could base it on success, players going to the pros or to college. I mean, who do you think was the best ever to coach in El Paso? The best ever to coach in El Paso? To, to me – it had to be Daddy Brooks. Okay. Because Don Brooks. Uh, it just, 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 you know, Coronado was so tough back then. I mean, he sent that, I can't remember his name, the linebacker that started at Texas, and I think he even made an All American. Uh, yeah, I don't think Cornell. I don't Lance think Taylor. Lance Taylor ever played Lance when Taylor. Brooks was coaching. I think Lance Taylor graduated when uh, Jack Quarles was still coaching Coronado. When Jack Quarles. Okay, it might have been like I said. Uh, I am old, but not that old. So I was a little kid when all those things were happening. But uh, to me, it's still Daddy Brooks. Is he was a class person uh, off the field? Great coach. I mean, he he, he was the man to, to me. He he's the best coach. I mean, and after that, uh, you know, you, you, you're forgetting also about Mr. Savage. Yeah, Bob Savage, Steve. I just not, looked him up. You know, 65% you know, winning percentage oh, so, uh, from 1973 to 1991 at Bel Air. That's huge. That is huge. I appreciate you, Dan. Thanks for the call. I've got Orly coming back after the break. 43 pass. We had a huge 5 o'clock hour, but we'll get to Orly next. Keep the conversation rolling right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk. Don't forget, dining deals tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, folks. Uh, you just heard the commercial. Ripe Eatery. Um, it's it's one of my favorite spots in El Paso. I, then again, I feel like every place we do for dining deals is one of my favorite spots. But it's true. Uh, if you've never been to Ripe, this is a great time to do it. 910 Red Road, Suite A. Um, as far as food goes, I mean, it just it depends on what you want. I mean, I love the shrimp and calamari tacos. Their hamburgers are amazing. They've got great salads. Their chicken breast, their salmon is incredible. And you can get $25, uh, $50 actually, $50 to a Ripe for just $25. Adrian, I know you're also a fan of Ripe Eatery. Big fan, Steve. Uh, when I'm at Ripe, I'm getting the burgers. I'm a big burger guy at Ripe. Uh, love it. And I love how convenient, conveniently located it is on the west side. You ever had the Triple B burger? No. Is that bacon like 
all over it? No, it's bacon, blueberry, and blue cheese. And mm. it's like a combination that just goes so well together. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to have to order that one with this dining deal. We might have to have lunch out there soon enough and do that. That'd be That's great. A great call. Go I'm see in. see Mike and company. Take advantage. 10 o'clock tomorrow as we continue. Orly's been patiently waiting. Orly, thanks for the call. How are you? It is a good restaurant. The, I mean, great hamburger with the blue cheese. Oh, oh yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. What a combination. Anyway... I would have to say, you know, you're talking about the coaches in high school. It all depends on the era. Uh, I would say Jack Quarles was ahead of the time. Jack Quarles, as a matter of fact, I had dinner with uh, Lance Taylor in town last weekend. He was in town. Oh, awesome. And um, you got to, yeah, Brooks was the assistant under Jack Quarles through the 70s. And then uh, Brooks took over and when Jack retired. I think Jack went to Fabens after that. No, he went to Lubbock. He did. Coronado, then Fabens. Yep. yep. Yeah. He was, he was a guy. I would put him up there. But you got to remember, the times were different. You only had two divisions. You had only two teams went to the playoffs. You had one 4A against two 4A. And the powerhouses back there were Coronado in the sec. In the 70s, you, you wouldn't beat Coronado. They were tough. Uh, you had Isleta was a powerhouse. Uh, um, you had Bel Air was coming up, but not like Isleta. Isleta was tough. And uh, Coronado and Eastwood back there were in the same division with Irvin and Andrus. Uh, yeah, and Burgess. And I'm trying to figure out. It was, it was a tough little division, but it was different. Only I mean, today, everybody goes. You yeah. get four teams from each uh, division. So I used to like, I like to see it. I mean, I know it's never going to happen, but. I used to, he actually had a true city champion because 1A played 2A, 2-4A in the Sun Bowl every year. And then they moved on to the regionals. But, yeah, I would say Jack Quarles. Um, I, would get, I would say he was for in the times. You got some great coaches. You had a coach at Austin. Uh, was it Lambert? He was a tough coach. at Austin High School back then. Yep. Uh, Hilton Lambeth. Hilton, Hilton Lambeth, absolutely. Yeah. Bob yeah, Savage. Was, uh, Bob Savage was terrific. Yeah. Oh yeah, he came. He came into the time I think when Jack Quarles was getting ready to retire at that time. But yeah, but you go back, Don Brooks. Don Brooks was a. Was a he was a great. Uh, he was a great mentor. He's, I was very fortunate to be there with both coaches. Were there? That's awesome. I was blessed. I had, I was able to be with both, and. Uh, like I said, to see some of the guys now, Lance and all of us are all now 65 years old, so we're all in Medicare now. <laughs> Orly, appreciate it, man. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks for getting in. Great 4 o'clock hour. We'll keep it rolling. We've got Lee Sterling next, followed by Lane Frank and then a special guest who's going to be picking the opposite lane. Looking forward to it. Busy 5 o'clock hour coming up here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the program is underway from our River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. You heard a moment ago with Buzz Adams. We got a busy five o'clock hour. Lane Frank's going to be dropping by. Oh, we got a special guest who's going to be picking games against him. In fact, I got to make sure that our special guest can get into the building. Maybe we can. Uh, oh, there he is. Good. He's here. 
He looks good. He's ready to go. Well, uh, say hello to our special guest in just a few. But first, let me go to the phone lines right now. Welcome back to the show. Our weekly uh, prognosticator from ParamountSports.com. He is the one, the only Lee Sterling after a great 4-1 and week where he was rolling. And uh, really for him, it has been like that all season long. Lee has been on, on quite a run and uh, all he does is is win games, and he did that uh, for us, and did that for you, Lee. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a, quite a weekend. We've had some good college and NFL weekend slates, but I think this is the best. I mean, mm. think about Sunday. I mean, the window on Sunday it starts with Kansas City, then we've got Seattle and Baltimore, Dallas and Philly, and then with Cincinnati and Buffalo. Um, any one of those games might be the best game any other weekend. I agree with you. There's, yep. there's a, t- a ton of games, which is fun for us because we're gonna. You always try to go after the best games of the week when we play. We yep. really do. We don't. We don't sugarcoat things. You go right for the gusto, and uh, you know you started off with uh, Georgia hosting Missouri. Missouri was on a bye last week. They've had a great season. They're twelfth in the country. They're seven and one. Georgia's undefeated, eight and zero. They're fifteen and a half point favorites uh, at home uh, in Athens this week, and. I'm just wondering, you know, the guy I want to see is what the Georgia defense will do when they match up with uh, Luther Burden III, one of the mm-hmm. best uh, receivers in all of college football. Oh, he's really good, and I mean, he's he's done. He's not the only guy. They got a couple other guys that can really, you know, make some plays, and and that's the difference. The last couple of years, this was a team that they didn't have a quarterback, and uh, they couldn't push the ball down the field. But Brady Cook. Is the guy? He's got 15 touchdowns already on the season. You mentioned uh, Luther Burden, but don't sleep on Theo Weiss and also uh, Mookie Cooper, who was a transfer uh, from Ohio State. A lot of people forget that. So I, I think that uh, this is a team that's underrated. They're coming off a bye. Uh, they ha- have performed pretty darn well against George in the past. In fact, six and two against the spread uh, the last eight times they've matched up. Even last year. Uh, with a team that won the national title, only lost 26-22. to 22. Their uh, defense, only really one offense has done a number on them. That was Jaden Daniels of LSU. And, I mean, he's, he, he might go in the middle of the first round. And just don't think the Georgia quarterback, Carson Beck, isn't close to that level. A lot of people will go against a team when they lose their star player and Georgia lost their star tight end, maybe the best player in college football. Week to go after him is the next week. Uh, you know they can you can rally for a week, but the second week is a little tougher. And uh, also, Tigers six and zero against the spread as road underdogs of more than thirteen points. Georgia wins thirty four twenty eight, but it's going to be a tight game. Missouri gets cover. I feel very much the same as you with that one. Uh, we'll stay in the SEC. We'll go to Alabama and LSU next. LSU is fourteenth in the country, six and two overall, four and one in the league. Alabama's eighth in the country, seven and one overall, five and zero oh in the SEC. They're three point favorites uh, in Tuscaloosa, and isn't it interesting when they lost to Texas? Panic all over the uh, college football world, and uh, very quietly, Alabama's been able to right the ship under Nick Saban. Well, great coaching. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's you know he doesn't have the talent he's had in past years, but you can be sure after losing that game, thirty-two thirty-one last year on the two-point conversion. He will have his team ready. He's probably sitting in a lot of the meetings on offense and defense, probably making some suggestions here. Now, 
LSU has the best offense. There's no doubt about that. It is better than Alabama's. Jaden Daniels is, I believe, the most accurate passer right now in college football. And uh, they put up at least 320 passing yards on all eight opponents, but their defense is by far the worst unit. They've given up at least 490 yards to the top three teams, Florida State, Ole Miss, and Missouri, and 45, 55, and 39 points here. I actually thought that Missouri probably should have won the game. They just Missouri had like seven or eight chances. All they needed was one play to come through or one stop and couldn't get the job done. But uh, So they probably, LSU, should have three losses. Their defensive front, everyone thought that it was going to be this, this great defensive line. I think they're average at best, and their DBs are not good at all. I think that, that in play action, I think Alabama's going after them and, and hit on some big plays here. So with that revenge for last year in Alabama – 16-6 and six against the spread at home. I can't buck Nick, Nick Saban here with revenge here. Bama, roll tide, 38-31 over LSU. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com as we keep things moving. Let's go to the Texas-Kansas State game at uh, DKR in Austin. The uh, Longhorns are 7-1, and 4-1 and one in the Big 12. Their only loss coming at the hands of Oklahoma. Meanwhile, K-State's 23rd in the country. They're 6-2, and 4-1 and one in the Big 12. Texas, four-point home favorites. Uh, you tell me, Lee, as we've watched Texas with Quinn Ewers, without Quinn Ewers, uh, what kind of a drop-off did you see last week? So I thought Malik Murphy was... I mean, he's fine. He was solid. I mean, but he's limited. I mean, they kept it basic for him because they knew BYU couldn't score much on offense, probably 14 or 17 tops. So they thought they they get to 20, 24 points. They got a winner. BYU's defense is slow and untalented. Kansas State is much better here. So that game last week, they only had 16 first downs. So... Kansas State features a top-20 defense that excels against the run. They've allowed just over 100 rushing yards per game. Texas probably has to run for 180, 200 yards to win this game. I just don't think that they have the passing game here with Murphy in there. Uh, The Wildcats can score with anyone. They posted at least 38 points in four of the last five games, and Will Howard at quarterback is on fire. And then they sprinkle in, you know, Avery Johnson – at quarterback running and throwing. And even D.J. Giddens, who I thought was ordinary, he's finally uh, coming on as a force. And Kansas State coaching staff, I think they have a huge advantage over Sarkeesian. Uh, Except for the Alabama game, I haven't been impressed here. I think Kansas State pulls the upset. Wrong team favored. 35-28. 35-28. Move to the NFL, yep. Lee. We'll talk about two big games, starting with the Chiefs uh, playing in Frankfurt, Germany, Sunday morning, 7.30. That game kicks off here in El Paso. It's going to be on the NFL Network as they play the Miami Dolphins. Both teams are 6-2. and two. KC, one-and-a-half-point favorites, trying to shake off what was a terrible offensive performance uh, in Denver last week. Yeah, and I like what Miami did. They left early. And I, I think that that could pay some real dividends here. Uh, Kansas City, what did they do? They ended up waiting and left on Thursday today, which I just think it takes time, you know, uh, to, to feel acclimated once you go overseas. And then on top of that, um, just think that Miami's finally starting to get healthy here. So great situational play, I think, for Miami. Jalen Ramsey came back last week. Uh, Nick Needham, uh underrated slot corner. 
he's back. And then, uh, and then also uh, offensive line. At one point last week, they were down all five starting offensive linemen. Now it looks like three and possibly four could be back for this game. So I, I think Miami, which has not done well in their two-step-up games, they've been dominated. Kansas City, just something's wrong with this team right now, especially at the receiver position. No running game here. I think Miami, it's taken them a while in the Fangio defense uh, to feel comfortable, uh, to finally get all their players back here. I think they finally uh, turned the corner. I like Miami. Pull the upset 34-30. Last game we're going to talk about is the game a lot of Cowboy fans have been waiting for for a while. They're going to be traveling to Philadelphia, going to the link, and taking on the Eagles. Eagles are 7-1, and 3-0 and at home. Cowboys are 5-2, and 2-2 and away from home. And Philadelphia. Three-point favorites after uh, the Cowboys' big week against the Rams. Uh, the Eagles made it interesting last week against the Commanders before they came back. Lee, how do you see this one? Yeah, uh, the record shows the Eagles to be 7-1, and one, but they've really only played one game well, and that was against the Dolphins here. They've got a couple guys banged up. I, I, I really think that Jalen Hurts, nothing close to 100%, and... Got great receivers, but he's just not running like he used to, and I think they might need him here. They might need that escapability from the Cowboys' rush, which comes after you. And then the Cowboys also looks like we'll have Pro Bowl left tackle Tyron Smith back for this game. And just think that this team is finally starting to to, to feel comfortable. And then also uh, special teams are important. A lot of people underrate special teams in a game. Brandon Aubrey, uh, the kicker, the NFL record, 18 for 18 to open his career in field goals. So Dallas has won and covered four of the last five in this series here. I think the timing's right for the Cowboys. Do it again. Cowboys, 30-23 to over Lee, Philadelphia. Lee, let me uh, send everybody to the website, ParamountSports.com. You've got one last $17 deal, which we'll talk about. Plus, it's November. You've been rolling 28 winning seasons, 62 and 20 on the last uh, 15 years for your 40 to 50 unit selections for football. You've got one of those as well. There's just a lot happening right now for fans of all price ranges uh, with ParamountSports.com. Yeah, so we, we did this promotion last Friday. It was so successful. We were here till like 10 o'clock at night. I mean, because what happened was I put up eight games and we went seven and one. Normally, a one day all access pass is 77 to $97. I did it for $17. We went seven and one. So I think I've got the games to have another big card and I'm going to do it again for $17 because as soon as people saw we were winning, they wanted to sign up uh, for the rest of the month. So you want to get involved. Seven selections in all four sports tomorrow, $17. You heard me correct. One place, ParamountSports.com. Awesome stuff. All right, Lee, great talking to you as always. We'll do it again with you next week. Sounds good, Steve. Take care. You too. He's Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com here on the program. Lane Franco is going to be back with us. He's coming up next. Cinta de Oro, it has been so long. I feel like a long-lost relative who I have not seen in years. And he is also going to be joining us next. He's back in action. He's wrestling this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It's an outdoor show. You don't want to miss it. And if that's not enough, he's going to pick NFL games opposite lane. 
all of them. That's right. When was the last time Cinta picked all the NFL games? We're going to do that next as we continue right here on Sports Talk. Let's go to Charlie One first with traffic. Uh, a fun little experiment. I'm excited about this next uh, next couple segments. Lane Frank, uh, the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast, is back with us for his weekly chat. Uh, first off, Lane, good to see you. How are you doing? Good to be back. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. How about the fact that I've got Cinta de Auto right next to you? Man wrestled professionally in the WWE for years. He's wrestling this weekend here in El Paso. Um, he only makes public appearances with a mask on, so that way this is exactly what he looks like, and that's what his reputation is. And It's the first time a luchador has ever gone one-on-one with you with picking games. Yep, this is the first time. This should be exciting, Steve. I'm excited. Cinta, have you ever picked NFL games against a 15-year-old before? Never, never. Well, this is I like Philo, but I've never done this. This is going to be a first for you. <laughs> He's my son's age. It's pretty crazy. Is he really? You guys, are, you guys are the same age? Wow. That's, can you hear or no? Can yeah, you? yeah, I'm good. All right, that's good. Um, does your son like football? He loves uh, wrestling. That's his passion. Like I, I want like him to like man. other sports, but he's just into wrestling right now. He's in that stage where he's like, wrestling is everything. AEW, WWE, Triple A. It's his life. Yeah. Does he, is he an amateur wrestler? <laughs> he did when he was younger. Now, uh, when uh, I told him in high school, he uh, I asked him if he wanted to go to, hi- to uh, high school where they had wrestling. He told me that uh, he wants to be a pro, so he wanted to start early instead of like that time in high school you know so he's training with me now so he wants to oh, so he's training with you to be yeah. a pro wrestler at 15 at, at well he started about a couple of years ago but now he's he's be 15 he wanted to debut but i told me he had to wait till he was 18 graduated from high school there you go. is he a sophomore right now is that what he is he's a sophomore in high school or where is he he's a freshman uh, he's going into the early co- early college high school okay oh, he's who's doing that right now and he, in the beginning, it was a little tough. I think he wasn't used to that schedule because they, they go on a college schedule. But it's good yeah. because by the end, of, he's 18, he'll have an associate's degree. Very by the nice. time he's 20, he'll be, you know, he has his bachelor's and be able to wrestle the yeah. rest of his life if he wants to. Is he wrestling this weekend with you? or uh, just? No, no, no. I have, a lot of people ask me if he's, he's, he's going to be uh, wrestling, but no, I don't want to put him in yet. I think he's too young yet uh, physically. I mean, he's, he's, he's as tall as me now, but his bones are not you know, completely you know, mature, and I think strength-wise also. So I want to protect him as much as I can of injuries and things that, like that. So uh, for me, I debuted when I was 22, and it really helped me because I was already a grown man. And it's a uh, really, really tough sport once you get in, into it. So I'd rather him wait. Lane, you're into tennis. Would you ever like to be a professional wrestler? Was that one of your goals as a kid that you wanted to dream just to uh, maybe wrestle and fly off the top rope like Cinta here and some of the other greats? You know, I don't really think tennis and wrestling have that much in common outside the competitive aspect of it, but no, never thought about wrestling, Steve. There is a very famous wrestling manager. His name is Jim Cornette. Uh, managed for years. He used to carry a tennis racket with him, and he would actually hit people over the head with a tennis racket during the match if he had to interfere. So there is precedent with tennis and wrestling. Sounds like wrestling. It, it, it does. It's a tennis racket hitting somebody with it? Yes, and he was probably your size at the time, so that would, it would, would work out well, right? Since I, yeah. that we it reminds me that. of when I was a little kid, my, my grandpa used to hit me with a fly swap thing with, to kill him. Because I, I used to always like do stuff, break windows, and jump off cars and off the roof. So, so he would grand- hit you with a fly swatter. Yeah, my 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 grandmother used to always like try to uh, catch me to hit me with it, but mm. I was pretty fast. I'm happy you dodged <laughs> that. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Lane uh, Schoolyard Sports, uh, the new podcast dropping today. Yep. 
out okay. right now. Did an emergency episode last night about the Rangers winning the World Series, but 143 should be out right now. Excellent. Uh, awesome. Rangers winning the World Series. I mean, this was uh, – did you pick five or six last week? I How picked many five. Did you pick? you t- I think I picked I, five originally. You told me it was going to be in Arizona, and I said I was fine with that. So I picked I six. You picked five, so you hit mm-hmm. it right on the nose. Did you pick Seager as your MVP? No, I did not pick Seager as my MVP. Okay. I, I picked Adolis Garcia. I picked Seager and six with my MVP, but I mean, it's still a pretty impressive run. I picked what'd Rangers you, in the jump of the playoffs. What do so. you What do you think about the Rangers' dom- domination of the Diamondbacks? Rangers' domination of the Diamondbacks, I wouldn't call it full-on a domination. I just think after game two, they adjusted really well, won all three games in Arizona, exactly like they needed to. They did. They were tough. And uh, they now now there's no more baseball. So now we have the offseason. The big story is going to be Shohei Otani. Where does he sign? What team does he go to? And uh, free agency is clearly going to be one of the big storylines here in baseball. Shohei, and, yes. The Shohei Otani saga is going to go on for a while. I think another saga that could go on for a while is Juan Soto. Do we see him get traded to maybe the New York Mets, maybe the New York Yankees, maybe Los Angeles Dodgers, somebody else. St. Louis Cardinals could be up there as a candidate for Juan Soto. But Otani, biggest storyline in years we're going to have in MLB. Soto, by the way, the, the Padres had to take out a $50 million loan to make payroll. How does that happen? I would, I'm curious. How does an owner who's worth billions need to take out a $50 million loan to make payroll? By having too many guys. And $50 million, when you're going to have to pay Juan Soto about $300 million, how much is that going to help you out right there? They're going to have to get rid of Soto or Tatis, preferably Soto because Tatis already has his contract. Bogart's under a big deal right now. Tatis under a big deal. Soto the only one without a big deal. He's going to get the one moved. Yeah, that's true. Um, Asinta, can you comprehend all these millions of dollars we're talking about in baseball? I mean, we're talking, you know. It's ridiculous, to be honest. I don't. I can't even imagine, like, uh, you get paid more to play baseball than to go to war, which is you, pretty insane to me. That, 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 is, that, is, yeah. that is crazy. By the way. Yeah. What are the most, like the biggest wrestlers in mm. professional wrestling? How much money do they clear every year? To be honest, even if you like Cena and those guys that have done like between fifteen and twenty million, I think still very little to what to what the the business you know aspect of it. How much they make, you know? WWE is a billion dollar company. It's not a million. It's a it's billion like the NFL. dollar. It's and a billion dollar business. Exactly. None none of the wrestlers make over a hundred million a year. None or forty or thirty or whatever. So I think the average is between. 15 and 20, the top guys. The rest, it, I think it's less than a million. So it's it's very drastic. It's a very drastic change, I think. Those are one of the things that have to change because we risk our lives, you know, to un- at least 200 days out of the year wrestling, and, and, and then we don't get pay as much as other sports. No health insurance? We have to get our – well, we do have a health insurance as we were wrestling with the company, but once you leave the arena your own health insurance is the one that's supposed to cover you as you're driving along to the other – so uh, the city. only insurance you have is in the ring, not outside the ring. No, exactly. Okay. All right. So it's pretty pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. So when I hear this, like, millions of dollars in baseball, I'm like, for just hitting the ball, I picked the wrong sport. <laughs> you did. You, 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 you should have been in baseball or football <laughs> yes. or one of these other sports, but you became a wrestler, and, yeah. the, re- and the rest is history, yes, right? Yes, sir. Um, Lane, why are you wearing a Colorado sweatshirt? What are you, what are you doing supporting Coach Prime like that? Look at this. You, you, you're, I, I, thought you're a min- I thought you're a Michigan guy all the way. I wouldn't necessarily call a Colorado shirt or a sweatshirt. It's a prime. Sweatshirt. Deion Sanders, that's oh, who we're wow. supporting right here. Had it for Halloween. Deion Sanders, great coach. Let's see what he can do. Wait, that was your Halloween costume? You dressed up as Dion? Didn't dress up as Dion for Halloween, but had a little Halloween segment on Screwed Sports. Dillo, uh, Dion. Did they send it to you? Did they mail you the. Uh, did you have to pay for that or did they give it to you? I paid for it. Oh, I was hoping they would send it to you. <laughs> that would be good. Hey, by the way, what about if what if Colorado comes to the Sun Bowl with Deion Sanders? How cool would that be? That'd be so cool. Hopefully, I could get some content with him. That would be. That, is that. So. 
I was talking about just having Dion here and how much fun that would be. You want content. You got to dream big, right? Got to get advantage of it. Deion Sanders in your city? No, I, I know. Uh, by the way, uh, we have a third member of the broadcast, Monica, who spent so many years with us on Kiss FM, is here with Cinta de Auto. You had a big smile on your face when Lane just said he wanted some content if uh, Dion showed up in El Paso. He's ahead of the curb. He is. He, he really is. By the way, it's great to see you back here. Thank you so much. Is it weird being back after all these years in this building, coming back now? Not today? at all. It's actually been a year yesterday. Can you believe that? How many years were you with Kiss? 18. 18 years. All right. Very 18 nice. years. And you're helping Cinta de Auto out for the big event coming I up this am, weekend? I am. I am. We're, we're building content. You are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're making a big push over this weekend. It's a great cause. Are we talking about this? Sure. Well, we, we've got we you for the next... We can get into it later. Uh, let's do it a little bit yeah. later in the show. We'll do that. Because we're going to pick games. Sure. We're going to talk about the cause, what's happening. It's going to be a lot of fun, by the way. Did you start when you were 15 years old in this business? 16. Okay. Well, Lane started when he was 12. Excellent. And now he's got a weekly spot here on Sports Talk. He's so good. Thank you. I'm telling you. He's he, awesome. He hosted the show for us like about a week ago. Adrian was at a wedding. I was at a wedding. He's hosting the show. Look at that. Awesome, he's going to get then, content with Dion. Yeah. And then Watch. Romano came onto the program and, uh, and, and, and went crazy. Yeah, That's I awesome. I know. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, meanwhile, before we get to picking games, and I, here, let me give you the list of NFL games because I'm sure you're interested in this. Last week, you picked against Adrian. Adrian went 8-8. Eight and eight. You went 11-5 and five last week. Now, the two of you missed on a few, ba- a few games. You, both of you missed on the, um, on the Chiefs' loss to the Broncos, which was not a surprise. And you both missed on the Panthers' loss to the Texans. That was tough right I'm sorry, there. the uh, Panthers' victory over the yeah, Texans. Pa- yeah, Panthers' victory over the Texans. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I expected that. I know another bad loss. I picked the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. Yeah. That didn't happen. But all around, got another win. I think I've done pretty well in the season so far. You have. You have. And you outpay. And Adrian, I, I enjoyed the picture. You guys took a lot of risks last week. You know, I, my biggest risk was saying that Brandon Staley would be the first coach fired. It ends up being Josh McDaniels, the first coach fired. I know. Did you did you call that one? What did you think? I think I did call that one. Josh McDaniels getting he fired. He did call it, yeah. Nice. Who's the next coach that's going to get fired uh, here? Houdini? Ron Rivera. Really? Before the end of the season? I'll go with yes. If not, at the end of the season, after week 18, their final game. But this whole team, this whole season has just been rough for them. You have such an elite defensive line of Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. You trade two of those guys, kind of given up a little bit. You have two great games against the Philadelphia Eagles. You end up losing both in heartbreaking fashion. Just things need to get switched up over there. It was tough. It really, I agree with you on that. Um, by the way, things are not looking good for uh, Michigan football right now. Um, you tell me. Are you worried as a Michigan, a future Michigan student? You've already uh, announced that you will be going and attending Michigan. Well, well, hang on. How do we go from yes to hopefully? What, <laughs> what, is, what has happened in the last few weeks here? I'm only uh, a sophomore, Steve. I, I understand that. Well, what, but we all know you're going to, you know. You're gonna Prime have, is recruiting him. Prime is, yes. <laughs> I'll tell you this right here. After I go to the game this Saturday, Michigan versus Purdue and Ann Arbor, I'll let you know how I feel about this team. Oh, really? Is it possible that if you don't feel good about Michigan football, you're going to go to Duke instead? I'm going to Duke the next weekend for their football and basketball game. Let's see Are how you? that goes. Okay. So back you're, visits. So you're basically uh, looking, you're already taking your talents to see where you're going to go. Let's see. All right. I'm excited. Let's see where he's going. Nice. Adrian, this is breaking news. He's been Michigan locked in since he started with us a year ago. Now, all of a sudden, he's not so sure. Little little adversity with the football program. And next thing you know, he's ready to go follow hey. his brothers to Duke. <laughs> hey, look, Lane is a five-star prospect yes. for journalism schools. Uh, and so we should treat him that way. A top uh, 25 recruit in the country for journalism and broadcast schools. Hey, so yeah. uh, he's got to keep his options open. 
Got to keep them all open. Good. Dude, uh, November 12th, and then Michigan this week. That's what I would do if I were you. Be yeah. a free agent until the time comes, then you can go from there. Yeah. All right. So we're going to have uh, Sinta and Lane picking one-on-one. I'm excited about this. Sinta, Dodo, what was the last time you really followed the NFL closely? I try as much as I can. I love sports. So, Good. So I really watch a little bit here and there, but sometimes I don't really have the time anymore like I used to, you know, when I was single and no kids, and I have kids, and, you know, I'm a full-time dad, but... I enjoy watching the games. I enjoy, you know, looking at the highlights sometimes in my office. Yes. At night when, when everybody's sleeping, that's when I really take a look at I go in, into my computer and watch the highlights of the games and things like that. But Good. obviously I, I'm here in this gentleman right here, and he knows way more than <laughs> than I could ever imagine. But it, it's awesome to hear somebody like, like this, you know, being able to enjoy what he's doing. And I think I started young also in wrestling, so I, I understand where he's coming from. <laughs> I love it. If you have a passion for something, you yeah, just got to go for exactly. it, right? That's it. Yeah. All right. We'll do it in two minutes. Cinta uh, de Auto, Lane Frank picking NFL games this week. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. We are back with uh, Monica from uh, longtime, uh, longtime air personality on 93.1 Kiss FM. Cinta de Auto making a return to the River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios, along with Schoolyard Sports host himself, Lane Frank, 134 dropped, or 143. 143. All right, thank you. Dropping uh, here tonight. What did you talk about, by the way, in 143? Besides the Emergency World Series edition, what else did you cover? Outside of the Emergency World Series edition, going over NBA, first week of the NBA, college football, my first playoff rankings, great week in the NFL, go tune in, great episode, out right now. Did you agree or disagree with the college football uh, playoff committee? Completely disagree with all of it. Good, I like that. Good, so there's controversy on the show. That's what We need controversy. It's good. Nothing wrong with that. All right, gentlemen, here we go. The way this works, Cinta, is very simple. I will go over the games, give you the point spread just for reference purposes, okay. and then you pick the winner straight up. Gotcha. Okay, and we see if you can go head-to-head and beat uh, the great Lane Frank. If you can, we'll have a prize for you. Um, there you go. Uh, and uh, if not, <laughs> well, then uh, Lane just racks up another set of victories like he did against Adrian this past week. All right, we'll begin with the game tonight, the game we're going to be airing here on 600 ESPN El Paso in 40 minutes. It's the Tennessee Titans visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are four and three, two and two at home. Tennessee, three and four. They have not won on the road. It's in Pittsburgh. And Cinta, we'll start with you. Pittsburgh, three point home favorites over the Titans. Who do you think is going to win? I'm going to pick the Titans. Any particular reason why? Because they have a new quarterback, and I think he played awesome in his first game. So I think he's uh, riding high right now. I like so. that. All right, good. That's a good answer for Cinta. What about what about you? I'm agree with you. I'm going to go with Will Levis, the little gun show he's got going on. It's going great with DeAndre Hopkins. They drafted him for a reason. He showed it last Sunday. Matt Canna is going to lose this game thinking he has a long weekend. Nope, he's going to get fired. Last game's the offense coordinator for the Steelers. Titans win this one. All right, both of you are in agreement then. Titans over the Steelers. Let's go to game number two now. This is the morning game from Frankfurt, Germany. It's the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Both teams are 6-2. and two. Uh, Kansas City, one-and-a-half-point favorites when they kick it off uh, in the morning on Sunday from Frankfurt Stadium. Lane, who do you like? I like the Dolphins this one. I think they played really well last week. Jalen Ramsey, his first game with the Dolphins, had an interception, had a forced fumble. I don't think he allowed a catch. Played really well. Tutanga Valoa doesn't turn the ball over. They win. Sinta. Well, I'm going to go. I'm not going to pick the Dolphins. I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Obviously, they're just coming off a loss, and I think that's important for them. They want to go and obviously continue winning. And when you have a losing, when you have a two game losing streak, and you're not used to it, I think that that really hurts. So they're going to play a great game because they want to obviously continue their winning ways. 
All right, that takes us to game number three. We've got some 11 o'clock games we're going to talk about. Vikings-Falcons, both of these teams are 4-4. Four and four. Vikings are 3-1 and one on the road. They're without their starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Falcons are 4-4, four 3-1 and four, three and one at home. They just benched their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Yet Atlanta, four-point favorites. Asita uh, Dodo, who do you like here? I like the Vikings. I think uh, when your leader goes down, you want to obviously continue to to succeed and and it's hard for them in that sense of emotion emotions and I think they're gonna want to play great a great game because they want to obviously understand that a lot of emotions uh, get in, in the game are are helpful you know like in any sport and I think now that uh, Kirk Cousins went down with a Achilles tendon injury they want to showcase that no matter who's playing the quarterback they want to continue you know to to win. I can't even imagine how painful an Achilles injury. Is. I always, I always think about it like because you see the the replays and how the Achilles snaps. I'm like, it's like a rubber band. I had four knee surgeries, so I can relate it in a little bit in, in that way. Four knee surgeries, yeah. but thank God, never an Achilles. Yes, never. All right, that's good. Uh, so Cinta Dora says Vikings. What about you, Lane? Head coach of the Falcons, Arthur Smith has done a horrible job this season utilizing his guys. Bijan Robinson. Okay, Bijan Robinson. You draft the Scott top ten. You draft Kyle Pitts number four. You draft Drake London. Never mind. You have not used them well at all. You're starting guys with Drake Glenn, and you're not using Kyle Pitts, and you're making Bijan Robinson your third string running back. Now you're benching Desmond Ritter after not letting him utilize his top skill players. Let's go with the Vikings in upset in this one. They're four-point underdogs. They win this one. Jaron Hall gets things going in his first career game. Vikings. Okay. Nice. Cardinals-Browns will be next up, and uh, Lane will lead off with you. Cleveland's 4-3, and 3-1 three, three and one at home. The cards are miserable. 1-7 and seven overall. 0-4 oh, on the road. It's at Cleveland Stadium. Browns minus 8. Cleveland has a few games this season that they definitely should have won. I look back to that week 2, Monday Night Football against the Steelers. And then last week against Seattle Seahawks. They should have won both those games. They didn't. Cardinals, no Kyler Murray in this one. They'll probably get him back next week. Let's go Cleveland over Arizona. All right. What do you think, Cinta? I think Cleveland also. Cardinals have only one win against our Cowboys. So, obviously, you can tell they're not a great team. But definitely the Browns. You know, they have a better a better record, and I don't really know much about the Browns. I just know that some of the wrestlers love the Browns, like the Miz and Dolph Ziggler. No, then you can listen. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to root for teams, let's at least go with the teams that WWE wrestlers <laughs> exactly. root for, right? I like yes. that. That's good. All right, so we're both in agreement there. We'll take a timeout, come back, pick more games with Lane Frank, Cinta de Oro. He's wrestling all weekend. We'll find out about that as well as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. A celebration of life and hope. It's a two-day outdoor family fun fest. Monica, this is going to be uh, happening on Saturday and Sunday uh, in, in the downtown area, right? Yes, it is downtown, 420 North Campbell. It is the parking lot right in front of St. Roger's Depot, so right before the Campbell entrance to I-10 heading east. And it's going to be a two-day event. starts at 10 a.m. It's going to be family-friendly, food trucks, vendors, kids' zone, music, and, of course, Lucha Libre all day long, and featuring not just Cinta de Oro, but as well as other legendary uh, luchadores. I'm excited. I think uh, I think Sunday I might need to be spending a little time out there and watching some wrestling. Well, you need to come out. Fun. You know why? Yes. Also, apart from Cinta and uh, some of these other amazing talent that's going to be wrestling, we also have invited Frey Tormenta. A.K.A. Nacho Libre, oh, nice. which the movie was based on back in 2016. Yeah, that's a, that's a big story in itself. Nacho Libre, one of the all-time great movies, mm-hmm. by the way. Jack Black and did actually, a nice job in that. Cinta can tell you the backstory to that. Really? There's a backstory, huh? Cinta? Well, yeah, uh, Fray Tormenta, he's a, he's a priest that became a, a wrestler in Mexico many years ago. And uh, when 
as I met him and as I was like talking to him, he was telling me that he raised over 2,500 kids throughout his lifetime, but he never used any money from the church. Everything came from wrestling. So Nacho Libre, like uh, when the movie came out, a lot of people thought it was an original story, right? But it was based off of his life. But obviously they had to change many things because you got to pay rides and other things. But sure. but there is a, it's a it's a pretty amazing story. So he's coming down to El Paso and he's very excited. I I spoke with him. We we're trying our best to maybe uh, have him uh, do a mass on Sunday. At, downtown. At, at, oh, that'd downtown be super church. cool. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. So I think he's um, he's he's about seventy something now, but uh, yeah. he still like signs autographs and all kinds of stuff. There's awesome. a, a lot of people that, that love him, you know. So he's excited to come over here. We're gonna have Dos Caras. Dos Caras is the father of Alberto El Rio. Okay, and he's gonna be down. Gonna be down here too. Also mm-hmm. joining us. We're gonna have Alberto wrestling on, on Sunday and Saturday. He's gonna do an autograph session. We're gonna have Metallic. We're gonna have uh, Black Tattoos, who's wrestling for uh, TNA now, and also uh, Diamante Azul DMT. You know, he's an independent worker. He worked many years for uh, Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre. So we're excited to have all this amazing show for everybody. And and plus, we're gonna have also like the the luchadores from here, from El Paso. A lot of new kids that are trying to make it. So we're gonna give him an opportunity to to work. Tickets available at the door when you get in. Is that the best Tickets way Tickets will be available at the door. You can also purchase in advance at LuchaLibreporVida.com. And just because it's you, Steve, just because it's you, we're going to offer 50% off tickets. Nice. If they use the code word life and hope altogether, life and hope. Life and hope. Yes. Okay. Let me tell you why. Because this is also a fundraiser for Corazón de Niños. It is a local nonprofit through the Camino Real Rotary Club of El Paso, which provides surgeries for children with congenital heart disease. So they're actually going to be performing their 100th surgery coming up pretty soon. And so we decided to partner up with them and raise some funds for these kids. Awesome cause. I love that. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Back to football now. We're going to switch back. We're going <laughs> to switch back from, from, <laughs> from wrestling and fun to football. Here we go. Packers, Rams. Oh, these two teams. Oh, my God. Somebody's got to win, right? Packers are two and five, one and two at home. Rams are three and five, two and two on the road. Uh, this one's in Lambeau, and uh, Cinta will kick it off with you. Green Bay, three point favorites. Well, my high school coach, Ron Dittinger, he's going to love if I pick the Packers. So I'm going to go with the Packers in this one. I think uh, I don't really know much about these two teams, to be honest, but I do know that the Packers have a great, great fan base, and I think that really helps when you play at home they have aaron jones who they haven't mm-hmm. used they've both Thanks. been very disappointing yeah. this is a this is one of those yeah. games that somebody's got to win unless it ends at a tie i hope not <laughs> me too lane what's going to happen in this one it's kind of a game where both these teams have a lot of talent they're kind of struggling someone needs to win a game rams haven't won a game yet with cooper cup and puka nakua in the same lap they finally get a win with cooper cup puka nakua matthew stafford running game getting a little bit more healthy sean mcveigh gets a win over the packers all right commanders patriots are next commanders are three and five two and two on the road pats are two and six one and three at home it's in foxborough at gillette stadium nice day 54 degrees outside not cold at all and lane uh, patriots three-point favorites commanders two and two on the road this season they improved to three and two i know the new england faithful is probably gonna show up to this game but commanders Sam Howell, he's played too well in too many games this year to not win. Let's go, Commanders. All right, so Lane says the Commanders. What say you, Cinta? The Commanders also, I don't, I don't really I think the Patriot days are over. The glory days are over since Tom Brady left. And they haven't been able to, you know, find a, a good quarterback to be able to guide him. And, and he's going to continue the season. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Commanders. Fair enough. Bears and Saints are next. Chicago, they were awful on, yes. uh, actually, 
uh, you know, they were awful this past week. Uh, they're two and six, one and three on the road. Not good on Monday night at all. Saints are four and four, one and two at home. New Orleans eight and a half point favorites. Cinta. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it to the Saints. Also, I think the Bears, their quarterback, feels is not it's not good. No matter how much people try to say that he's really good, he played one really good game this year, and, and that was it. So I'm gonna go with the Saints. And then he got hurt. No, it's it's been yeah. all downhill ever since. What about what about you, Lane? New Orleans has kind of been on a roll. Good win they had last week against the Colts, 38 points. I'm Camaro, Michael Thomas, fighting a groove with new quarterback Derek Carr. They improved to 5-4. and four. All right, so you're both in agreement. That takes us now to uh, the last two 11 o'clock games. Seahawks and Ravens. This will be a fun one. Both teams are having good seasons. Seattle 5-2, and 2-1 two, two and one on the road. Ravens are 6-2, and 2-1 two, two and one at home. It's in Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium. Lane, the Ravens, uh, six-point home favorites. Seahawks are very lucky, 5-2, and two, but I think that's based on good play from Geno Smith and good coaching from Pete Carroll. But they don't win this one. I think the Ravens are one of the most well-coached teams in the NFL. I think they might be the best team in the NFL. Lamar Jackson does well in this one, gets it to Zay Flowers. Defense have been playing great. They get a win. Sinta, the Ravens have been very, very strong. Yeah. Can they do it again? I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I got I to gotta gamble in order, in order to... Uh to you know, be a little different. I'm gonna gamble with the Seahawks. I think uh, obviously the Ravens are are awesome, are very good, but you know they can always have a bad game. One of those because they think they they're gonna win every game, but not not in this one. The Seahawks. All right, so you're picking against Lane. I like it. Yes. Uh, Bucks and Texans will be our last early game. It's a CBS game from Houston NRG Stadium. The Texans are three and four. The Bucks are three and four. Both teams are two and one. The Bucks are two and one on the road. The Texans are two and one at home. It's in Houston. The Texans three point favorites. And what's going to happen? The Texans. I'm a I'm a Texan kid, so I definitely I'm going to pick the Texans. And they don't have a very good record. None of the uh, both of the teams, but uh, I have to go with the Texans. Lane, will the Texans bounce back after uh, losing to the winless Panthers last week, or uh, will this be all Bucks? Nope, they will not bounce back after this one. CJ Shroud. Doesn't rebound this one. We've seen that from his college days. Not rebounding well after losses. Doesn't in this one. Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers had that game in their hands last week against the Bills. Almost completed that Hail Mary. Let's go with the Buccaneers over the Texans. We have right now three 2 o'clock games. A Sunday night game and a Monday night game. Let's start with the first uh, late game before we have to go to break. Colts and Panthers. Panthers are 1-6. They're 1-2 at home. I know, it's bad. Colts are 3-5, 2-1 and one on the road. It's in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium. Lane. Indy, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. I don't see much good going with Indianapolis Colts right now. With that being said, neither I do with the Panthers. Panthers only won one season. Yes, they came last week, and yes, they're at home, but they don't win this one. Colts, Gardner Minshew, they can beat a team like the Panthers. They just can't make the playoffs. All right. I heard under his breath, Sinta was not happy at all with the Panthers' start to the season. (laughs) What do you think is going to happen here? Who's going to win this one? Another loss for the Panthers, definitely. You know, They're not playing great at all. It doesn't matter if you play at home or you're away, I think. It's a reflection of the team, and they're going to lose this one again. All right. Four games left to go. We'll do it uh, right after our final timeout, and then we'll get you right out to that uh, Thursday night football game. It's coming up. Titans-Steelers will be about 20 minutes from now here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Final countdown uh, here on Sports Talk. (laughs) 
Appreciate uh, Cinta de Otto and Monica sticking around with us over the last hour plus. Lane Frank, the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast, 143 drops today. He talks Rangers. He uh, also talks NBA. Gives you some football as well. Are you doing any uh, uh, free agent previews in baseball, or is that next week? Not yet. Next week. All right, good. Let's go. Five, Four games left, guys. Here we go. We'll start it off. Giants-Raiders. This is uh, the Giants. Lane's Giants. They're 2-6. and six. Yeah, it's been a rough <laughs> year. That's been hard. 1-3 on the road. The Raiders are 3-5, and 2-1 at home. The Raiders fired their coach. They fired their general manager. They benched their starting quarterback, and yet... Sinta, the Vegas Raiders are two-point favorites over the Giants. What does that tell you? No coach, no GM, backup quarterback, and yet they're still favored over the Giants. It tells you that the Giants are really bad. <laughs> this has been a rough year for the Giants. That. Yeah, yes. I, I'm going to have to go with the, the Raiders in this one. It I'm pains gonna, you to yeah. pick the Raiders. Huh? Yeah, because obviously I'm, uh, the Giants are uh, Dallas rivals, but I don't, it, it's you know it's one of the divisions that I, that I like, but the Raiders, I think, are... A little better than the Giants. We'll find out. All right, Lane. You picked against your Giants last week. The Jets won one of the worst football games ever played in overtime like by a field goal. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a rough, <laughs> rough, rough season for Lane. All right, you tell me. Are the Giants going to bounce back against the Raiders this week? They are going to bounce back. This game's going to be Tommy DeVito versus Aiden O'Connell. When they played last year in college football, Purdue won 31-24. This time, Tommy DeVito gets the win. I know he had negative one passing yards last week. He gets his first career passing yard. This week versus the Raiders. This is going to be a terrible oh game. This is, one of the, oh this is one of the worst NFL games we've had oh in a while. This is Brad- a terrible game. Do you know I think Terry Bradshaw called him Danny DeVito? He screwed up. He actually thought it was I, Danny DeVito. I fully believe Tommy it. I, Tommy saw- De- I mean, Go ahead, Tommy DeVito. I was just going to say, I think we saw Tommy DeVito on Goodfellas, right? <laughs> I feel like Tommy DeVito was on Goodfellas. It's true. All right. We're going to go from bad to good. Cowboys-Eagles, that's the uh, last late game. It's the 225 game from the link in Philly. Eagles are 7-1, and one, perfect at home. Cowboys are 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two on the road. Philadelphia, three-point favorites lane at home against the Cowboys. Shouldn't do this. I really shouldn't do this, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys. There you go. Over the Eagles, even though I'm not a Cowboys fan, more of a Cowboy hater. I don't think the <laughs> Eagles are utilizing their running game well at all. I thought they shouldn't have been close last week versus the Commanders. Tush push didn't really work. They fumbled it one time. Let's go with the Cowboys. Defense plays well. Dak Prescott plays like Dak Prescott could be up, could be down. Hopefully it's up in this one. Cowboys. Do we have two picks now picking the Cowboys? Cinta, what do you think? I'm a Cowboys fan, to be honest, but uh, I understand that the – the Eagles are really good. Their quarterback, you know, it's he's riding high since last season, and uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Eagles on this one as much as because I don't want to pick, you know, every pick that he's picked. I wanna, I wanna take risks. I like it. I like it. Well, first off, I love the fact that Lane hates the Cowboys and he's taking them, and I love the fact that you love the Cowboys and you're taking the Eagles. It's like opposite <laughs> yes. picks. It's good. Uh, Sunday night game: the Bills and Bengals. This is also another big one. Bengals are four and three, coming off that big win over the 49ers. They're two and one at home. Bills are five and three, one and two on the road. It's in Cincinnati at Paycor Stadium, and Cinta uh, Cincinnati two point favorites at home. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I like the Bengals. The Bengals uh, have had a, a few, few couple of years that are, have been really good. They still have a good team, and I'm going to go with them for this they're, one. They're playing better, Lane. Is it enough to beat the Bills? Yep, they are. They're going to win this game. Joe Burrow kind of finished up his required four terrible games to start out each season. He's had it every year. First four games every season for Joe Burrow has not been good. Then he turns things on. You think they're 0-2 one moment. Now they're 4-3. Now they're in a playoff position again. They're about to get to 5-3 after going over the Bills. All right. That means the Chargers-Jets will be our Monday night game. Final game of the week from East Rutherford to MetLife Stadium. Jets are 4-3, 2-2 two two at home. Chargers are 3-4, 1-2 on the road. 
Lane, Chargers, three-and-a-half-point road favorites. Steve, I've been really high on the Jets all season long. I don't know why. But what I saw from the Los Angeles Chargers last Sunday night, Justin Herbert played great. Keen Allen played well. Their running game was going great. I'm going to go with the Chargers this one over New York Jets. Zach Wilson, you could say he made a good play at the end. To play up only 13 points against one of the worst teams shown out there ever in NFL history, the New York Giants, with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. I know. They had about 12 punts, New York Jets. That's terrible. If Aaron Rodgers is playing that game, that's 40 to 10. Let's go to the Chargers over the Jets. You know, the uh, Giants and Jets had more punts than points in the game Jeez. on Sunday. 24, was, 24 punts? 24 yeah. punts, 23 points. It was Ridiculous. awful. All right, Sinta, who do you like, Jets or Chargers? I'm going to pick the Jets. Boy. The Jets. I I I'm going to go, I'm gonna I go against them and yeah. pick the Jets. Obviously, uh, Zach Wilson has to prove himself still, but I think they're going to get win, get a win on the uh, home. Since I knew I liked you for a reason. That's really good. Uh, seven games the two of you picked against each other, which means we will have a definitive winner. Go. There's no chance of a tie this week. Nice. Uh, Sinta, any, uh, anything you'd like to add to Lane before we wrap things up? Any final words uh, of uh, wisdom before we get to these I episodes? think I want to wish him the best. I think he's a very smart kid. I think that he's following his passion at a young age. And, you know, I can relate in that sense because – as a young kid, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a professional wrestler, and I, and throughout my life, the thing, the steps that I took throughout my life was to become a professional wrestler. Maybe some, maybe you don't think about it in that sense, but as you come along, as you get older, you're gonna realize that you know hard work pays off. Everything that you do towards your goal, obviously, you know you're gonna end up where you want to be. And I think you started at a very good age, and and you, your mind is very focused. And I, I like that because nowadays, without things that are going on in life with phones, with social media, with a lot of things, you can very, you know, you can go off the path of what you want to accomplish. And I'm impressed, man, to be honest. <laughs> That's awesome. What about you, Lane? I appreciate those words so much. Now, you've obviously been so great in your career so Thank successful. You. So, yeah, great best to you. Gracias. Awesome. Uh, by the way, uh, let's get that uh, code word one more time for uh, discount tickets. If you're listening to the show right now and you want to head out Saturday or Sunday to uh, what's going to be a busy, busy weekend, and that is Lucha Libre por Vida. Yes, luchalibreporvida.com. Hit it up. And uh, if you want 50% off tickets, just use the code word Lucha. Oh, I'm sorry. Life and Hope. Life and hope. Life and hope. And you'll be all set. She was going to say in yes. Spanish, that's why. She was. She was going to do that, <laughs> I know. It's awesome. Jeez. Hey, uh, great having you all here. Thanks for being here again. Thank you. Lane, Thank you, Steve. We'll see you next week. Sinta, always a pleasure. Monica, terrific comeback. Don't be a stranger. I won't. Yes. Thank all you right. Guys. You got it. Uh, Thursday Night Football coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow live. Del Valle High. It's going to be a huge edition of Sports Talk.